welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show. This is Justin, along with my cousins Derek and Tyler. We're recording this episode on Tuesday, August 29th. It's game week, guys. You excited? Hell yeah! It's Christmas finally is here. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's like uh, this whole off season just kind of like seemed to go by so slow. Now that we're in game week, it's like wow, time really went fast. But it really hasn't, I guess. But you know, a lot, a lot has happened this week, from captains to depth chart to black shirts. A lot of information has been put out about this team. I want to talk about the depth chart first because that is the probably the most interesting to me, at least. Tyler, what are your reactions to the depth chart? I mean, there's a there's a lot of shockers or at least kind of surprises in it in my regards. But the biggest one is Kieran Williams being third string safety. I mean, this is a guy who was arguably our best defender last year. I believe Derek had him as his defensive MVP last season. Uh, and he's so far back on the depth chart. I don't know if you're going to see the guy on the field. I, I, I don't know if the athleticism is just a lot better at that safety position, but I really don't know what to make of it or coaching, but God, that was the thing that stuck out most to me. Derek, what do you think of the Kieran Williams scenario? You know, I, I don't know what to think about it. What was I can come up with is maybe he's not clicking with these new coaches. Maybe it's athleticism. It's all speculation. I have no clue. Statistically speaking, he led this team last year. He had, I think he's our top returning tackler. He led us in interceptions last year. I, I don't know. I, it, it blows me away. This guy has dropped off so far. And you're right. That is probably the most surprising thing to me. So he's, He's third behind Josh Kalou, which is, you know, that, I get it. But Markel Dismook, you know, that, that guy, he came into Nebraska with a lot of, with a lot to offer. He was a highly touted recruit. But still, Kieran Williams being a senior, getting beat out by a redshirt freshman, there just has to be more to the story than athleticism, right? Tyler? Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, my, my biggest thing on this is if you look back on last year uh, and you look at this and when Diaco comes in at defense, I mean, he, he is known for a bend and don't break defense. And last year, our defense broke a few times. When you look back on that, and I'm not saying that's all Kieran Williams, but a theory that I've been bouncing around in my head is, is he disciplined enough to run Diaco's defense? Is, is it a situation where, hey, maybe he can make plays, maybe he makes tackles, but at the end of the day, is he always in the right position? And you look at, you know, the guys that got in front of him. I mean, Clue, obviously, Diaco's really high on him. And our freshman safety was one of the top 10 safeties in the country. And he's arguably the guy who started the Calabasas movement coming from that high school. Uh, right. It, it, it's, it's confusing. It's shocking. But my best theory I have is maybe it's a discipline issue with him. Derek, what else did you see out of this uh, depth chart that – Raised an eyebrow. Well, here I go with my wells again. But, you know, the, the one thing that really kind of stuck out to me was they have two tight ends listed, uh, two, two tight end positions listed. So yeah. are we going to be seeing a lot of two tight, tight end uh, formations? If so, that kind of tells me they really are maybe trying to get that running game going. 
Yeah, that part's interesting to me. That that stuck out like a sore thumb. I had to like backtrack. I was like, did I read this right? Is this a typo? Because that's what it looked like to me. I don't think I've ever seen tight end listed twice on a depth chart before. Tyler. I mean, that, that was a shocker. And, uh, you know, on, on the offensive side of the ball, the other shocker is that it really appears that Jalen Bradley is going to not redshirt this year. They had him on the official depth chart for this week at the fourth string for running back. And I think for all the white Missouri fans out there that officially puts the nail in the coffin on his chance to be a contributor this year. Cause not only was he not listed on the depth chart and offense, you didn't see him on special teams either. Cause, uh, yeah. he was buried there. But speaking of Jalen Bradley, you know, you look at the kick return. I mean, you have Jalen Bradley Spielman and Lindsay. That's three freshmen that are a kick return. That's showing the speed that we're going for. That's the, that's the new Nebraska's. We are going speed. You can see it with these freshmen. Derek. So let me ask you this. With uh, the, the depth chart I'm looking at has Jalen Bradley as a third kick returner. Yeah. So maybe should we redshirt this guy and let him get a little more size? My thoughts are I- on this are... At running back, there's no clear-cut number one. I, I hate when they do the or, or, or. And I mentioned, I think, last week maybe that uh, we could see or, or, or at the uh, running back position. So three three guys there. That that really turns me off, Either, even though it's not surprising. I mean, it's disappointing, you know, that we can't name a clear-cut guy. Maybe Jalen Bradley, maybe he is in the mix as a clear number two guy. Derek? You know, speaking of or, and I'm going to kind of switch positions here for you. And speaking of or and red shirting, another or position out there was nose tackle. They have DeAndre Thomas or Damian Daniels as backup to Mick Stoltenberg. Do you guys think that maybe one of those two should red shirt? I, I, I think Damian Dan- Daniels, it, it, they want him the red shirt. I'm shocked that that or was listed because what I have read about what the coaches said is they want Damian Daniels to redshirt. I think Riley said his press conference, but he's going to be game ready. Uh, I think DeAndre Thomas is that number two guy, uh, but yeah, I, I really don't know. I think, you know, how I see that nose tackle position playing out is when Stolenberg's not in, I think a lot of times you're going to see a four, three come out. I, I think it's boomer bust with him at nose tackle. If he's not in that nose tackle, I, I would not be shocked to see us move that time down to a four three. So correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Peyton Newell. I thought Peyton Newell was getting a lot of snaps at the nose tackle position, like during the spring and maybe even the beginning of the fall camp, but he's nowhere to be found at, well, obviously at the nose tackle position on the depth chart, you know, he's listed as, as a, uh, the number two defensive end. What, what happened to that? Is, is that a surprise to you guys there? Or, I mean, didn't, didn't are they, they like, I, I think I think he moved over a defensive end about that same time Khalil Davis did, didn't he? I I'm not sure. I I, I went through fall camp with speculating that New Peyton was going to be our backup nose tackle, and I don't know if it's a size issue. He's listed at under 300 pounds, so I don't know if they're sitting there saying the leverage, the size. He just didn't connect there. But again, I'm going back with my theory. I think that right now the coaches. For nose tackle, pretty much have a Stolenberger bust mentality. Huh. Interesting. Uh, but but what, what, one more note on the uh, interesting 
breaks is I, I, I think linebacker was probably the most interesting break. I think the most heated competition of the fall was uh, Gifford and uh, not Barry. Oh, newbie. Uh, newbie. Gosh, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but I think that was the most heated one. And the fact that newbie broke out is was kind of a shock to me because I after the spring game, we were really all high on Gifford. Uh, I think that that was a very interesting break, and I think that just shows the depth that linebacker we have this year. Derek, you're, you're absolutely right about that, but let's not forget what they're saying, that while Marcus Newby may be starting the game, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be playing any more than Luke Gifford will be. You're true, and and you know what? They both got black shirts to, to prove it, so that, that was you you know, obviously – Obviously, one of the big uh, breaks this week was the black shirts, and we had five linebackers or six linebackers get black yeah. shirts this week, including my two breakout players, uh, Mohamed Barry and Luke Gifford. I think both those guys coming off the bench, I think they're both going to contribute huge this year. Yeah, that's kind of big. We got we handed out 16 black shirts this year, which is the most that I can ever remember. And that is that the all time high? I, I don't know. I, I think I think, think going in. Well, okay. So I I think that's the highest we've ever given out. I mean, if you if you go back to the Bo Pelini era where he gave out black shirts halfway through the season after a team earned it, I think that he at times gave out thirteen or fourteen black shirts. Right. Um, but you know, this has been something that has polarized some of the Husker Nation. They, they've kind of felt that black shirts were meant for the starters, and now you're going kind of deeper the depth chart. But you know, I like to look at the positive side of this and say. The coaches must feel really confident that we have 16 players that can contribute on defense and be playmakers that they look at as starters. Because I think Riley has really embraced the tradition at Black Shirts, and he's not just given a participation trophy. I, I think this is an optimistic buy for our defense. Yeah, as far as the Black Shirts go, you know, like uh, w- one of the things I wanted to mention on the depth chart that I thought was uh, huge was the youth at cornerback that we really have there. You know, with with, uh, with Chris Jones' injury, our youth is shown. You know, the the most, I guess, the upperclassman of the group is just a sophomore. And then we have three of those guys, a sophomore with uh, Eric Lee, sophomore Lamar Jackson, and a redshirt freshman, DiCaprio Boodle, earning a black shirt. I think that speaks volumes as, as far as uh, that goes. And then, you know, we were talking about the linebackers linebacker position there with the six uh, recipients getting uh, six recipients of the black shirt there. Avery Roberts, another red shirt freshman, he could very well get one. I think he could make a big splash. So, so let me ask you with all this youth out there, especially at cornerback, is is this uh, more of a testament to how well Riley has recruited or how bad the talent was when he got there? I'll let Derek answer that one. I don't think you can really say either or, because I think it's two different styles of defense. I mean, right now, this is these players match up better for this defense, where Bo Pelini was run, running a, uh, quite a bit. Even with uh, Mark Banker, he was running quite a bit different of a defense, even though they were both in a four, more of a 4-3 style defense. But... I don't know if you could sit here and just automatically go, oh, well, it's all talent-based. Because there was enough talent on that team that I think they could have done well. I mean, hell, our recruiting classes were still ahead of everybody in the West. Yeah, I so, think 
Go ahead, Tyler. So an interesting thing. So we, we talk about the 16 black shirts that were given out. Of those 16 black shirts, seven of them were Riley recruits. So you have almost half of the black shirts being these Riley recruits. And if you think about the class, I mean, those are mostly younger classmen. Uh, I, I really think that's an interesting thing you look at with the talent well, is. I think you at, can this say point, about, at this point, you have to have that, though. I mean, this is his third. What, he's on his fourth recruiting class right now? He's got three of them I mean, here? But there's only three seniors on this. Uh, there's only three seniors that wear black shirts this year. Okay. But maybe, like I said, maybe they just don't fit, fit this coaching style. Well. I mean, Kieran Williams, he's a senior this year. I, I don't think you can take anything away from what he has done. Obviously, he's not succeeding under this coaching staff, or that way he already wouldn't be third string. But I don't think, I think if after watching him the past three years play, I don't think you can really complain about what he's done. I don't, I don't remember Tyler. ever going, oh, man, Kieran Williams is getting beat every time. No, you're exactly right. I, I, I mean, that was, that is absolutely the biggest shock of this, uh, uh, depth chart is Kieran Williams says, I wish somebody would explain it and we'll never hear the full story. I don't think Tyler, uh, captains were released as well. Five captains, uh, Gerald Foster, Tanner Lee freedom, or I'm sorry, not for Chris Weber, Josh Kalu and Luke McNitt. What's up with Luke McNitt? How'd that happen? You know, the, 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 the old school Husker me likes to believe is because we're going to use the fullback, but I think he was a weight room warrior. Um, you listen to the quotes about the players, you know, they, they say he was a first one out, last one out type of guy. Uh, you know, it, it's, I think he was a weight room, uh, weight, weight, weight room, ru- ru- you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel like Derek, right <laughs> I have studied on my words, but, uh, no, I, I, I don't. I think that's what got him over. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what this team does on offensive captains. The interesting thing is three of the captains were former walk-ons. Yeah, that's crazy. Derek, do you think Luke McNitt is going to be an Andy Janovich of a couple years ago? I hope so. You think Depends we'll see the return of the fullback? I, I have to assume that if – he got voted into a captain role. It's not just because he was the lifter of the year last year. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's because they like what they've seen of him in practice. And I'm a, so that makes me think that they've practiced running with him and makes me think that they probably are going to use him at some extent, maybe not as much as Janovich, but more than last year, at least. Yeah, that was really disappointing last year. You know, after Andy Janovich, I thought the fullback was going to be a big part of the the offense, and it just really slipped away last year. And there's a lot of times where we're calling for it. It just never happened. But, you know, a lot could be said about that. Tyler, what do you, you say? You know, the, my, my concern with the fullback, again, I am all for the fullback getting in the rotation. But when you see two tight ends on the depth chart in the starting rotation, you see three wide receivers, a running back, Something's got to give in that regard. And, you know, and, and I don't know if it's a fullback position. I don't know where it's at. But, you know, when I look at what I expect Riley's offense to look like, I got to believe the fullback may not be used as much as the captain is leading on. And I, and I hope I'm wrong in that one. 
So, Derek, do you think uh, maybe with the listing of the double uh, the double tight end set and the fullback, you know, with uh, Luke McNitt being the captain, do you think maybe, just maybe, we are going to resemble more of a Wisconsin offense than what we gave uh, Donardo shit about a couple of weeks ago? Hey, it's possible. I mean, I, anytime you have a tight end and two fullback or two tight ends and a fullback in, you have to assume it's power football, right? Yeah, I think so. So, so Tyler, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of what Wisconsin does. They are a strictly power football team. Now, I can't, Tyler, I can't go back. You? I can't go does back and go Wisconsin has put in two tight ends this many times. I don't know how often they do it, but I, I'm excited to see some power football with a quarterback <laughs> well, who can actually pass. Well, there was that there was that year in the big uh, Big Ten title game where they had three tight ends against us doing that barge formation. Oh my God, that was brutal. Tyler, would that worry you if we were more of a Wisconsin offense? You lived in Wisconsin. You hate Wisconsin. I don't. I, I don't like Wisconsin. You're correct in that, sir. Um, <laughs> you know, here's here's the thing. It's all about can we execute. You know, I, I I'm a big believer. You know, when people say, oh, Nebraska can never be a pro style team or never be a spread team or never be whatever you want to say, I I think it's all about personnel, how it fits it. And I I think if you have the personnel to run a power offense, I'm all for trying that. My question is, I don't know if I see that personnel out there. I I don't know if I see the offensive line. I don't know if I see the running backs. I I don't know if McNitt's a fullback. And and with this whole personnel thing, the the thing that's shocking is that Ben Miles wasn't mentioned on the depth chart. And yeah. why I thought he would be an interesting guy is not maybe his skill set at fullback, but it seemed like he had a good H back rotation. Uh, and he could have been a guy maybe lining up at fullback and going down to a tight end position to give us a little bit more unique looks. But I, I also wonder with these two tight ends, is that a cover up for a lack of depth at wide receiver? I mean, I know that's the position that Derek thinks is going to be our strongest this year. And he thinks we're going to dominate the season in that regard. But uh, I, I wonder if the two tight end is maybe a look we're going to give a lot more because of the lack of depth at wide receiver. Tyler, I want to come back to you with this question here. You know, you're you're uh, casting doubt on a lot of position groups, right? So if you compare this team to last year's team, uh, what position group looks weaker this year in your eyes? You, I, I think it's got to be wide receiver. I mean, you, you lose Westercamp, you lose Riley, you lose Moore. I mean, obviously last year we still had Pearson L and Morgan in there. I mean, whoever we replace him with, has Pearson L developed that much more to his senior season where he's now the playmaker as Lindsay and all those guys developed? I, I have deep concerns about wide receiver the more I think about it. Derek, I'll pose that question to you. Do you think there's a position group that appears weaker this year than last year? Well, Tyler, you make good points about the wide receiver group, but almost every one of these wide receivers are four stars. So you have to, you have to expect something out of them, right? I mean, I think that is an easy answer. Uh, I would probably go with running back, even though they weren't strong last year. But I still don't see him being strong again this year. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you blame that on offensive line. Maybe they're not opening up holes. But right now, if you're running, trying to put three running backs in, 
then it scares me that maybe none of them are very good. All right. Tyler? Well, and you say running backs, and, you know, we did lose a running back, and I know you guys don't like to give him credit, but Trell Newby is doing pretty well for the Minnesota Vikings right now. Yeah, and he, he was an offensive player of the week last year, and I know we didn't really – he's not going to go down as one of the best backs in Husker history, but – I mean, he really established himself as a pretty decent back for us last year. And, you know, he does have shoes to fill for a running back core this year. I'm going to take the easy way out on this question if you were to ask me. I think we are better at every single position group this year than we were last year. I, 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 punter. I, pun, you, you can't be any worse at punter. <laughs> you can't be. We hit bottom barrel. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. We. We will be better this year. All right, guys, it's Arkansas State time. They're coming to Lincoln this weekend, 17-point underdogs. What worries are you about this team? Derek. Before before we get oh, into God. that, I, I wanted to ask you guys a question about the depth chart that I forgot to ask. All right. When did Austin Rose move over to fullback? That, the yeah, moment, that, the that, moment that, that Ben Miles got redshirted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really surprised to see his name as a second guy on for fullback. Oh, you were just surprised that he actually made the depth chart in fall camp. Well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's, we, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about this Arkansas State team. What worries you about this team coming to Lincoln? Derek? You know, they have a former four-star recruit that went to Oklahoma in court at a quarterback. He was the number two dual threat quarterback in Oklahoma. He was also ranked number five pro style out of Oklahoma quarterback. That's how good of an arm this kid was supposed to have. Now, obviously, he probably didn't have it since he switched to switch schools. But his stats are decent enough. He he played in all 13 games last year, started 10 of them, had 2,719 yards, 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions, completed about almost 58% of his passes. This this quarterback could be pretty good. I mean, maybe he's not what Oklahoma was hoping to get, but still pretty good. Tyler? So, all thing I heard, Derek, is that people in Oklahoma like to go both ways. <laughs> that, 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 they, they, they like their pro style, and they like their uh, dual threat. I mean, no, but Farkas will say. Okay, Bill Callahan. <laughs> <laughs> the hillbillies, I tell you, hillbillies. Uh, you know, the, the, the guy who scares me for Arkansas State is uh, one of their pass rushers, Devon Roland Jones. Uh, he might be the best defensive player in the Sun Belt Conference this year. Uh, he may be the best, one of the best pass rushers we face all season. Um, you know, but I, I honestly think going into this game, the biggest fear I have is what Nebraska does. And I worry about us getting too cute and overthinking it ourselves. Derek. Let's not forget about D liner who was a, uh, Alabama commit at one point and he's been moved up to questionable. So he's not necessarily yeah. out for this game. And if he's in, he could be disruptive. Well, that's, I, that goes to everything. I mean, I think their defensive line and their pass rush in general is a threat to us, but at the end of the day, talent shouldn't matter. The problem is what I worry about is, okay, are we going to try to hold too much back defensively for Oregon? 
Are we going to try and not show our cards too much offensively and run this conservative offense? And all of a sudden we uh, factor in and we end up blowing some of these things and not look as sharp as we could. Our offensive line's a question mark. We talked about that last week. And if you have a good pass rush and you try to get too cute, does that pose threats for the team? Well, Derek. if I know what if I know what I know about Tanner Lee at Tulane, and I am an Arkansas State head coach, I'm gonna blitz the living shit out of this guy every chance I get until <laughs> he burns me. Because if I can get him to throw a few interceptions to keep myself in this game, you damn right I'm gonna do it. This is their biggest game. This is the biggest game for Arkansas State this year. This is this is their biggest game, and this is a game we're trying not to show too much. Yeah, and they feel that they feel that this is a winnable game for them, which is sad. That shows how how far we we're off of our game, really. I mean, guys should not be able to walk into Lincoln and have the thought that they can pick off Nebraska, especially in the group of five conferences. Uh, we we just we really need to make a statement here. Especially and to your point, Derek. Game. Yeah, to your point, Derek. You know, they probably are going to try to blitz the hell out of Nebraska. It's imperative that our offensive line does not look weak against a lesser team because we have the superior athletes across the board. We cannot look pathetic against these guys. I don't see that happening. I, I, I like our chances. I don't. There's not a lot that scares me about Arkansas State, really. I mean, yeah, they'll have their moments, but this is an obvious mis- mismatch. Is it that is it that obvious? I mean, again, I, I go back to this. I do have a little concern for this game, and and it's not because I don't think we're going to win. It, it's because you hear the media this whole off season, and where they're at. I just I, I wonder if we're going to play a lot of people their first game. Are our wide receivers going to be a little bit off? Are our corners going to be a little bit off? I mean, there are a lot of players that are going to see their first major playing time. Hell, at, even at linebacker, the only linebacker last year that got a lot of playing time is Young. I mean, we're playing a lot of new people out there this game, and this is their first bright lights, and they're not going to be running the t- game plan they've been running at fall camp. They're going to be a conservative defense and offense, I, I think. Well, we will certainly see. Uh, but let's move on. You know, last year we made a handful of picks each week for the mo- most intriguing games of the year. Or of the weekend. Let's do that again. That was a lot of fun. So, you guys got your picks ready? Here we go. We're going to start this. with you, Derek. We got uh, Maryland at Texas. Texas is 19-point favorites. You know, this was one of my intriguing games because I thought maybe Maryland had a chance to beat Texas. But being at Texas, Texas has 10 returning starters. I'm just not sure. I think it'll be closer than people anticipate. Texas is favored by 18 and a half points. They're favored by more over Maryland than we are over Arkansas State. I don't think Texas will cover the spread. I think it'll be a close game, but Texas probably will edge them out. All right, Tyler. You took the words right out of my mouth, Derek. The words of the great meatloaf. I, I Everything you say I agree with. I, I – <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think, and I, but I don't think that at the end of the day that Maryland is a team to beat Texas. Uh, I got the Longhorns. Yeah, I don't see Mar- – well, I don't have Maryland having a good year this year. I think Texas is going to roll them. I think they're going to roll them. And 
when they do, they're going to jump up eight spots in the pool before being exposed just like they were last year. But this will be their big old stepping stone, make their statement game. But, yeah, Texas rolls in this game. Uh, Wyoming at Iowa. Iowa's 11.5-point favorites. Tyler. Hold on. I, I, think, mean, I think the hosts here, since this was his intriguing game, should call this one first. Okay, I'm fine with that. Hey, I'm, I like Wyoming in this game. I like Jared Allen, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And at Iowa, they always find a way to choke, except against Nebraska. This will be that choking moment for Iowa. So Wyoming gets the win. Derek, back at you. Iowa has way too much in the trenches. They have a great offensive line, a great defensive line. It might be a little closer than the 11 half points that Iowa's favored, but Craig Bull's not going to get it done at, yeah, at Iowa. Not, not this year, I don't think. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, the only shot that Wyoming wins this game is, is if Josh Allen plays out of his mind. Uh, but at Josh. the end of the day, you're going to – yeah, I know, Justin. I was <laughs> – yeah. It's not Jared Allen, the former Jared defensive Allen. end in the NFL. But He's not – why can't he I wasn't going to correct you. I wasn't going to correct you there. But, no, you, you guys are trying to make me say something nice about Iowa opening week, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to take Iowa, but I'm not going to say anything good about that roster. All right. Texas A&M at UCLA. UCLA is four-point favorites. This game is on Sunday, by the way. You know, Kevin Sumlin has gone – Five and one to start every year, six and zero oh last year. In his first game of the season, he's four and one. Kevin Sumlin knows how to start a season. He just doesn't know how to finish a season. <laughs> and he's played some tough competition in those years. I mean, it's not like he played garbage teams. He so I, I, I'm going to go with uh, A and M. I think they I think they win the game on the road. They beat them last year. They were they, they were the better team. I think they will be again this year. Tyler. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a good game. I, I got UCLA. I think Josh Rosen uh, has enough in him to win this game for UCLA. Um, I, I don't know uh, what A&M is going to be looking like this year. I think the SEC is down across the board, and I think UCLA has enough to pull out this game. Yeah, I, I initially had Texas A&M in this game, but I don't think they've named a starting quarterback. And whatever quarterback that they have taken out to the Rose Bowl, they're not experienced, and they're looking at maybe a redshirt freshman. There's no way they're, they're going to go and knock off a, a UCLA in the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, UCLA. All right, bigger and better games are coming up, I promise we got number 17, Florida, versus number 11, Michigan, in Arlington. Michigan is uh, four-point favorites. Tyler, who do you like in this game? I, I got Michigan winning this game. I mean, this is going to be a really interesting game. Michigan's returning, you know, 10 new starters on defense. I mean, there's a lot of new players coming out there. Florida's down seven starters. I don't know what either team is. When I don't know, I'm going off what teams recruited better over the last few years and the better head coach. I think Harbaugh is a better coach, and Michigan has recruited better than Florida over the last few seasons. Derek? Michigan 
keeps getting hammered about the experience on this team because they lost 10 starters last year on defense. They have 55 lettermen coming back. Let's not forget, they hammered a lot of teams last year. So these guys, yes, they may not have started last year, but they have a lot of playing experience. And so I don't think Michigan is going to drop off as much as everybody else thinks they are. Plus, Florida's got seven guys suspended for this game. I don't see how Florida comes in and wins this game. I got Michigan all the way. Yeah, they actually have eight guys suspended or uh, declared ineligible for this game. Some other guy screwed up, too. And among those guys, you know, they get the the starting uh, safety, Marcel Harris. He's out for the year. Their starting wide receiver, Antonio Callaway, which, you know, he led the team in receiving yards last year. Backup running back, he's questionable. So between people that are suspended, out, or questionable for this opener, that includes 15 people. That does a lot of damage to that depth there for Florida. Uh, Yeah, I think Michigan is a – that's a sure bet to cover. We got number three, Florida State versus number one, Alabama and Atlanta. The game of the week could be the game of the year. It's not the game I don't of the know. week. The game of the week is coming up after this one. <laughs> true. True that. True that. Game of the week for non-Nebraska followers. Uh, Derek, who do you like in this game? Nick Saban is 10-0 and against his former assistants when he coaches against them. I don't see how Florida State beats them. Alabama wins. Yeah. Tyler? Well, I will say, even as a very proud Husker game who is antsy, I am a little bit disappointed that our game is on at the same time as this game because when we're up 28 points and I'm watching our backups in there, uh, you know, I am going to be a little bit upset I'm not watching the Florida State-Alabama game. But anyway... Regardless of this, I like Florida State to win this game, and I think Florida State wins bigger than we think. Uh, I think this is going to be a matchup where I had predicted a sophomore sub for Jalen Hurts. I, I think you see that. I think that Florida State defense is better than Alabama's defense. I think in a neutral site, Florida State wins this game by two touchdowns. The Florida what? State, the Florida State team that gave like sixty-three points to Louisville, you think is better than Bama's defense? Well, I think you, you look at the returning of Derwin Jones, who's probably going to be the number one overall pick next year at defensive safety. I, I think, yes, I do think that Florida State's defense, you look what's coming back, is going to be as good or better than Alabama's. Wow. But I've been saying this for years. Alabama, I mean, I may be wrong. You always pick I always Alabama. pick against Bama. <laughs> I, I, one of these years, I'm going to be right. But like I, I will Alabama say that. versus McNeese State. Hey, McNeese State, they got one of the best teams that they've had in years. <laughs> I, I will say that this is a game that will tell a lot. If if my sophomore slump is correct, Jalen Hurts is going to show it this week. I don't think it matters by the end of the season. This game will mean nothing to either team by the end of the season. I think you're right. Uh, I have both these teams in, the, in my playoff prediction. Uh, and I don't think the loser of this game is going to be penalized whatsoever as long as they're competitive. I think both these teams, they have really strong defenses. Uh, Florida State, they have uh, nine guys coming back, and Alabama, all they do is just reload. Uh, I think this is one of those games where it's going to be a great game, but I think in the end, I think the power game of Alabama 
is just going to wear on them, and they're going to edge out uh, Florida State. Uh, Alabama wins, but they do not cover. So let's talk about Derek's game of the week, Arkansas State and Nebraska. Nebraska's 17-point favorites. So we got to do the score prediction for this one. So, Derek, how do you have this game? I struggled to find things that really scared me about Arkansas State. I found a few. At the end of the day, you're Justin, you're absolutely right. We we outmatch these guys in almost every asset of the game. Nebraska should win this big. I'm going 49 to seven, Nebraska. And that seven Ooh. points that they score, I think, comes late in the game when we have our backups in. Nice, Tyler. I wish I was as optimistic as you. Uh, I, I got Nebraska winning. Uh, my score prediction is 34 to 14. Uh, I think similarly, I think we're about 34, seven late touchdown makes it a little bit closer than people think, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a little bit sloppy and not quite where we want to see the Huskers for opening week. All right. I have a follow-up question for you, Tyler, after that, uh, after you say that I have Nebraska winning 52 to 17 in this game. I think, you know, they're going to be outmanned at every position level. I mean, we, we should be a superior team uh, in in every facet of the game. So 52-17. Now, Tyler, I want to come back at you. If we only win 34-17, to 17, like 14. you called, right? 30, 30, okay, 34-14. Is that a disappointment? If we um, only garner 34 points against a group of five team, I, given I, I, our I, offensive struggles last year? I, I think there is a probability that next week we may be talking about is Tanner Lee for real. Um, I think we're going to see him look efficient. I don't know if we're going to see him look explosive this week. Oh. Um, and, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but I, I really have concern about what kind of game plan we're going to do, the pass rush they are going to present, and what we're really going to be able to explode on this year, this game. Hey, Derek, have you given any uh, thoughts on maybe – uh, offensive numbers that came to mind when you were doing your score prediction contest? No, I did not. I really didn't think we were going to talk about that, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I only mentioned that because I see this as one of those games where I think Nebraska can have about 350 yards passing, and that's just not Tanner Lee. I think uh, Patrick O'Brien, he's going to get about maybe 80 yards in, 70, 80 yards in. I think he's going to play a lot in the fourth quarter. And then I think we're going to have about 200 yards rushing on the ground. I think, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to see some – some of these younger guys actually get in and play Derek back at you. I will disagree with you on that. Maybe we see two fifty passing. I, I think you're going to see a lot of running this game. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get close to 300 yards rushing this game. Cause I think they're going to try to overdo it with the power game in this first game. Okay. Tyler? I think they did that last year. Last year, I believe we started the year and we were like, oh my God, we're going to run the ball so well this year. Again, guys, I, I think I don't think we're going to look bad this game. I think the pass rush is going to give us a little bit of trouble. I think Tanner Lee is going to be efficient. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes for 70% passing yards and like 220 on in the air. But I, I just don't know if we're going to look explosive across the board. I think we're going to save a lot for Oregon. Well, you, you may be right. I hope you're wrong. But I just, uh, I just hope that we don't save too much for Oregon. And I, I hope in this game. 
remember years past where we're like six or seven games in the season. We're like, oh, we're still sh- trying not to show too much. <laughs> well, that, like, you know, when we are you going to show it? Show we it. Talked, we talked about that with the McNeese State game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what an embarrassment. Anyway, let's get out of here, guys. It's game week. Let's enjoy our Saturday. College football is back. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope all you guys out there listening is going to enjoy your Saturday in college football. There's college football on Sunday. Perfect weekend. And it's Labor Day. Go shoot some doves. Uh, So follow the Husker Cuzcast on Facebook and on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. You can catch all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday, which is our new recording night during, during the football season. And as always, go Big Red! Go Say bye bye so long, see you later, take it easy, be cool, hang loose. 